I have a question though. Brooke, what was the name of that first song? It was Open Door? Oh, it's called Won't Stop Now. Okay, well, that's not the words that I got. But it was interesting how, and I hope everybody has had a chance to worship this morning. Um, As much as we find ourselves in a different situation, many things remain the same. And those things that remain the same are the fundamentals of what the Lord does. This morning, as I've shared so many times, I wasn't sure what he wanted. And this from a little bit different perspective because there were so many things this week that he showed me. So many things, places he took me. And it was a little overwhelming in trying to figure out what what was for me, what was for sharing purposes and, and so forth. And coming here this morning and being part of worship, the worship took on a theme and I just started smiling and laughing the the very first song because the chorus of it talked about an open door. You know, open door I I I'd never heard the song before, so I wish I could remember it right now. But but uh how there is an open door. And then the next songs talked about heaven being here and heaven being accessed through his presence. And and what I mean by heaven is is the kingdom of heaven is here and it's act accessed through his presence. This open door. Before I get into some of that though because that that's where I think the Lord wants to take us this morning. But I want to encourage you. I, I know the circumstances have changed. We're, we're all in our homes. Um, we're all abiding by what the government has asked in, in, in keeping, you know, these small groups. So we're sequestered to a certain extent. And, and yet the command is to press into him. Right? We have an opportunity in this time to really press into Him. So as much as things change, things stay the same. And, and this is going to be different for all of us. It was, it was different in, in worship. One of the things I miss the most is, which I, I, I've shared on the prayer calls, is being together and all worshiping together. The, the, the volume of it, the spirit of it, is is extraordinary. And understand that is not lost. You can worship by yourself and have the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point of worship. And I do hope that everybody has had an opportunity to worship before this. If not this time, please plan it for next time. We did here because it's really an opportunity for the Lord to prepare your heart. To fertilize if you will, fertile ground. And, but again, before we get into this, there have been a few things that have happened this week that I just want to give you updates on. Obviously, what we're doing now in, in this sequestering, uh, which, which perhaps the Lord will have us talk about a little bit later as well. But uh, we did go to court last week. In fact, Lex, we went twice, right? Tuesday and Thursday? A ready room on Tuesday. 
I can't remember. <laughs> All the days are blending together. But we went to court last week, and and I don't even know if I gave an update before that. But but uh, uh, I just want to share with you, since the Lord has begun to focus the court process on this nation, on America, we have we have done three court cases. The first one was on abortion. The second one, which I think I mentioned these two, the second one was on homosexuality. And then the one last week was on complacency. Complacency specifically on the bride, not complacency on the world, but it was specifically this complacency on the bride, this, this, this overarching spirit that, that would deceive and bring deception to the bride that would bring complacency for Christ and and those were defeated in the courts. And so I, I just wanted to give you an update on that because in this time that we're in, people are going to have a choice. And, and I don't mean just right now, but over the course of the next few months and, and even beyond that, people are going to have a choice. The bride is going to have a choice to press in. Or not to be afraid, or not to trust, or not, and and so this is what we must do. I, I also started something else this last week that was a little bit strange for me. Um, the Lord had been telling me for a few days, and 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 then um, I, I had gotten such a confirmation on it that I started it, and that is this video thing that I'm doing every day, and. My thought was to try and keep it to 15 minutes. Do you know how difficult that is? It's like, it's like 15 minutes, that's like 10 minutes as an intro. <laughs> right? I don't know how to do that. So, so I'm doing the best I can to keep those short. Um, last, yesterday's was the shortest of the three so far, and it was, I think, 23 minutes, which I was, I was pretty impressed. But uh, there were probably a thousand things that I wanted to say, but I couldn't. Um, but this, this video series, I don't know what the Lord's going to do with it, but I can tell you one of my goals in it, just my goals and, and what I feel is part of the heart of the Lord, is to, to certainly draw the remnant together, but to keep us together, right, that, that are so used to this, this local group that we have had, this local group that... Um, um, you know, just a way of, of keeping us connected, keep, keeping us unified. And, and I know the Lord has a much broader purpose than that, but, uh, uh, but we trust him in it. And, and I, I, I trust that, that everybody is really pressing into the Lord. You know, again, I go back to the worship and the theme that he did. This, when, when we sang that first song, which I had never heard before, by the way. I, I think I said that a few minutes ago. But um, the words were such confirmation because the Lord had given me several different scriptures this morning, and and they didn't. I, I didn't see a tie-in, and and like like how these will tie together. And and I, I said, Lord, it doesn't matter how they tie together. I just need to know it's you. You can kind of start me out the door and then just guide my feet. 
And that first song was such a confirmation because that first song talked about in the, in the chorus an open door. And, and that was, that was the thought that he gave me in, in these passages was that we are at an open door right now. And I, I want to get into that for a minute. Let's pray before I do. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We trust you, Lord, that even things may look different in the physicality of where we are and what we have to go through to absorb. Father, we trust you to be you. We trust you that you speak not only to my heart, you speak to the hearts of those who hear. That this word is not just for me and through me, but it is for those who you intend to hear and receive. I pray for our local body, Father, that is dispersed right now, that that are watching online. We're gathered together online, and online we are unified in spirit even though we may not be unified in proximity. What a picture, Father, of what you have said is to come. The leadership that you are giving ignition, we will be all over the world, but yet it's your intent that we are never apart. But we are to be unified in spirit unified in purpose. And the only way that that can happen is to be unified in you, in your kingdom. Father, we love you. We praise you. I pray that you fill my mouth with your words only, none of my own. Do your will this morning, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 1. And... This was the beginning of where he took me. And, and we'll see how these things tie together, but, but it's, it's a fairly simple thought. You know, in Revelation chapter 1, first of all, um, you know, we know that it is Jesus who writes these letters as it gets into chapters 2 and 3, but that's not where we're going this morning. I just want to be in the beginning of chapter 1. Let's start at verse 4. But actually, let's, let, let me just make a note. Verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take pet. Take place. So this, this is revelation from the Father that was given to Jesus. Jesus then gave. Okay, but let's go down to verse four. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. I want to point out there something, first of all. You have got the entire Trinity represented in that verse, in verses 4 and 5. And what this is doing, this is adding credence to the fact that these letters are critical to the church. These letters are important for you to absorb and understand what they are saying. Not just pick one that you like and then, well, that'll be my letter. 
Or not just pick one that you think you're like or you want to be like and that'll be my letter. No, you need to understand each one because in each one there are blessings. There are in many pitfalls that we're to look at and understand. And again, we're not going to get into those specifically today, but I want to encourage you, as I said in the the, uh, the video yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I said, you know, get into these. You have time. Goodness gracious, the one thing we cry out for is time. Guess what God gave you? You have time. Amen. If you can't go anywhere, if you can't go into work, you can't go, you know, to some social place, you can't go out to eat, what you can do is take the time and dive into His Word. Dive into His Word. Take the time to do it. And it's not just an admonition for you to do it. It's a command. Understand that there are consequences when we don't press into Him. But utilize this time. He has taken all the distractions and set them out of your life on purpose. Take this time to do it. But the Trinity is in verses 4 and 5. How do, I, how do I see that? Well, grace to you be from, and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come is an expression of the Father. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. A better way to interpret that is the sevenfold spirit that is before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. He was the first resurrected of the dead, because it was after him that all those who were the saints of the Old Testament, those who believed in a coming Messiah, they rose with him, but they didn't rise until him. At that point before that, they were in the Abraham's bosom, which again, we won't get into that, but this is where I wanted to get. Latter part of verse 5. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Now verse 6. And made us a kingdom. Priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold he is coming in the clouds. Or with the clouds. By the way that, that is that word with the clouds is a very interesting. Interesting word. Because we keep assuming in the clouds. He, he will be coming with his clouds of witnesses. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I'm the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to, to come, the Almighty. Go back to the beginning of verse 6. And made us a kingdom. Priests. To his God and Father. This is the thought that the Lord has been putting on my heart so heavy. This idea of a kingdom. Now, when the Messiah was prophesied to come, the Israel was looking for one that would come in victory. Right? Come, uh, I don't know if you're watching, it, how many people know about the Chosen series. I really want to encourage you. Download and pay for, because you can watch it for free. The Chosen series, just Google it, The Chosen. You'll see it. It is the story of the life of Jesus, and, and, but it's not just a movie. It is a series, and it has done the first 
the first season is done. It was ten. Is it ten or eight? It's eight, right? Okay, eight. Eight um, episodes, and they're phenomenal. And you can watch them for free uh, if you watch it on, on an app. Or you can also donate and purchase the season or donate what you want. I, I encourage you to donate because all of the money they're making, it is self-funded and they're making to make a second season. But it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. In this, you see, and you see through, throughout his word, that, that Jesus, they thought he was coming in power. Even in that series, you see Peter who is ready to fight. You, you see that in the word where, where they come to take Jesus. What does he do? He takes his sword out and he's, he's ready to fight. He cuts off the, the, uh, the Roman soldier's ear and he, he's just ready to fight. Why? Because he believes that Jesus is coming in his power to take over. But then he died. And they didn't conquer. In fact, they became abused in many ways. So what was missed there? Well, to Peter, nothing was missed. It might have been missed at first when he drew his sword. But when Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't missed anymore because it was understood what was coming was his kingdom. His kingdom had to come first. His kingdom realm where we can then by faith trust and believe in what he's doing. To literally provide the fuel in this realm, in this world, for his kingdom to take seed. That's what he did right here. That's what he says right here. In fact, let, let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to go to verse 18. This is where, where Jesus is asking his disciples, you know, who do people say that the Son of Man is? You know, some say John the Baptist. And you know what? Let's just start at verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, and this was the key, who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven and verse 18 is what I wanted to get to. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. By the way, was he talking about... And you, you get different answers out of different theologians. That, that he, he's talking about Peter. The name Peter means rock. Peter's going to be the rock. And... And, and he, he literally starts the church, you know, which, which we see is the first person to preach after Pentecost, right? Then you have others that it's really a foreshadowing of who the real rock is. It's the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. And all those things are absolutely true. 
But let me give you a third perspective. Let me peel back a different layer for you here. Because they're all true. This doesn't replace any of the others. But this is another layer to understand. I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. What is What he's saying is by the very faith of what Peter had, of what he declared and who he knew Jesus to be, it was on that faith that his kingdom would come to this earth. Why? Because we look around and, you know, I see walls, I see trees, I see grass. Starting to get green, actually. I see cars, I see buildings, I see all these things. I, I don't see angels. I don't see his kingdom. It is only by faith that you can see that. It is by the faith of Peter declaring him as the Christ that he said, it's on that very faith that I will build my church, that I will build my kingdom, and hell shall not prevail against it no matter what it does to try. And here's the key, verse 19, because he's talking to Peter here. And talking to those who believe, who exercise that same faith in believing, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? When you have keys to a house, what does that mean? If, if, if this were my house and I gave you keys to my house, that means I have granted you access whenever you want. I have granted you access of ownership to come in and live like you own that. You are granted access. You don't have to knock every time you come up to the door and say, hey, is it okay for me to come in today? No, you're granted access all the time, anytime you want. He was giving Peter, because of Peter's faith, he, was, he said, I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, by the way, he couldn't give them to him right then. Why? Because his kingdom hadn't come to earth yet. In the entire te- Old Testament, the kingdom of heaven had not come to earth. It wasn't until Jesus died and paid that penalty for sin and rose from the grave that his kingdom came to earth because he paid the price and became a man. And through that realm, through his own faith, brought his kingdom to this earth. And he molded the two together, giving us access. But it doesn't mean we can all access all the time. There's a cost of faith. There's a cost of faith. And that's what he was telling Peter here. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. By the way, side note, he's not saying, I'm going to give you salvation and you're going to have a ticket to heaven. It's not what it says. That's different. That is me opening the door and letting you in. Right? You're knocking. I'm opening the door, letting you in. I still am... Having full control, you don't have control in my house whatsoever. It's not what he's saying here. He's saying, I'm giving you access. And then he tells you in the latter part of verse 19 what that access means. 
And this is critical for the church to understand. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I don't know that we could fully explain what that even means. I know portions of what that means. He has taught us what the battlefield looks like. Because on that battlefield, first of all, if everything was in, in, in you know, Christ's control on this earth, there would be no reason for him to give that capability of binding and loosing. But because he goes to his father and we become his hands and his feet, we have to have the heart of Christ to be able to be used by him as he would his own hands and own feet. That's what he's looking for, by the way. He's looking for people that will be so in tune with his heart that he can use them the way he would use his own body. That's a huge promise that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed on loosed in heaven. And I don't pretend to fully know what that means, but I've seen it in action. At least the portions that he has shown us. I've seen it in action on the battlefield. I've seen it in action when when You're doing something that the Lord wants you to do and Satan comes in to try and deceive. Satan comes in to try and block. And he said, wait a second, I told you, I'm giving you these keys because of your faith and you're in my kingdom. You have keys to loosen, to bind, or and to whatever you do on earth will be done in heaven. It will be so ordered in heaven. Does that mean that there's a parallel up there and it's almost like this parallel universe and whatever happens here, he's doing up there too? No. No. What it means is that you are being given authority when you come to that place of knowing who he is and and entering his kingdom, understanding his kingdom, having the faith to understand his kingdom. You're given these choices because your heart is in sync with his to loose, to bind. And then from that order, it is done in heaven, in heaven's courts. Because of what he gave you being in sync with him. So that's, that's just a huge, huge promise to understand. And in this, what he is doing is he is building his kingdom. He, he already said and professed that, that he was the cornerstone, right? And the father professed that, that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. What is a cornerstone? Anybody who has a builder background, you know what a cornerstone, cornerstone is. A cornerstone is the first foundational stone laid. Right. When when we were in Nigeria, this was years back. I think it was the the maybe the first trip you did, Alexis, you and Anissa and me. Yeah. And we, we were taken to this school and they asked us to lay the cornerstone of this school. And 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 it, it is in in biblical terms, the cornerstone is the first stone, the foundational stone, which is Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us 
It is the first stone that builds something. Right? It builds more than just something, more than just a house, more than just a a single building. It builds a kingdom. And that's what he's talking about there, that, that you will be part of building this kingdom that Jesus is to reign in this kingdom. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I just want to start at verse 5. Verse 5, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 says, You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Let me repeat that because it's what I just said. You yourselves like living stones. Now he's talking to those who would believe. Those who would access and have faith to access his kingdom here on this earth. You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And You know what? Let me me go on here. Verse 7. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone and and a stone of stumbling. And a rock of offense. So what he's saying here is he is building this kingdom that we are a part of. You know, we go back to our foundational verse. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. And it's so interesting to me how, how many layers he has taken us through in the understanding of that verse. Here's another one. Why are you to seek the kingdom of God just so you could dwell there and forget this world? No, it's because he's fashioning you into stones that become part of the very fabric of that kingdom that he's building. If you don't engage, if you don't believe that it is even here to be built, you can't be a part of that. This has nothing to do with salvation. This has nothing to do with you being saved, not being saved, losing your salvation. I mean, obviously, for you to understand his kingdom and and for you to believe that his kingdom is even here, can be accessed now, you have to be saved. I'm not saying that that's for anybody who's not saved. But I'm saying this is not talking about salvation. This is not talking about whether you have your ticket to heaven or not. But to those who don't believe, even those who are saved, this becomes a stumbling block. Him as the cornerstone becomes the stumbling block. Wow, that, that's kind of hard to imagine that Jesus would become a stumbling block to somebody who knows him as Savior. Why? Why would he become a stumbling block to those who know him as Savior. 
It's because those who do not choose to believe place that stumbling block, which is truth, in the way of their own progress. You can't get this stuff intellectually. You might be able to understand it. You might be able to take a test and answer questions on a test. But if you do not accept this by faith, just as Peter did, when Jesus asked, who am I? And he said, you are the Christ. Jesus quantified that and said, I never told you that. He said, blessed are you, Peter, because it is the Father in heaven who has told you that. How do you think he told Peter that? Did the Father show up in Peter's room one day and say, Peter, you know, I've been meaning to tell you that guy you're hanging with, you know, that's Jesus. He's my son, came as a man, just wanted you to know. Did he do that? No. No, he impressed on Peter's heart, and Peter, by choice, believed. It was Peter's choice. He didn't have to choose. He could have chosen not to believe. And there were some that did. Even the one that betrayed Jesus. He was with Jesus the entire time. He had the opportunity to believe just like Peter did. He saw all the same things. He saw the miracles. And yet he chose not to believe. See, we have a choice of belief. We have a choice to believe or not believe. We have a choice of how far we want to allow our faith to go. Well, I'll let it go to the point of salvation, because I believe in that. But I won't let it go to the point where you think God actually talks to you. Because, and then there's many reasons for that. Most of which is fear. Because if you really understand the fact that God can speak to you and you don't understand, then there is something lacking in your life. And that's something that's very difficult for people to grab hold of. Because they look at it one of two ways. They either look at it like a challenge, and I want that and I go after it, or they look at it like, wait a second, I didn't do anything to deserve that. I didn't do anything to deserve him not talking to me. And see, what we don't realize is he talks to you all the time. If you don't think he talks to you, I'm here to tell you he talks to you. And not just in his word. He talks to you in his word, but he talks to you in your own conscience. He talks to you in ways you don't recognize, but until you are like Peter and say, by faith, This is what I believe. I believe in you. I believe in every word that you have said. He can't begin to teach you his voice. I I speak that with personal experience because it's what I went through. I so desired his voice when, when, when I finally understood, and this was about seven years ago or so, I finally understood that, that he had been speaking to me all the time. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand it. But the moment I understood that he could, that everything that he put in the Word of God was accessible to me, 
Why? Because his character hasn't changed. His character's the same. And everything became accessible to me, but it didn't happen like that. I began praying, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. I, I began pressing in. It wasn't, it was six months before I heard and understood what his voice was for the first time. In those six months, why did it take six months? Wait, Lord, I believe. Because he proves out your belief. You could say you believe something, and without the proving out of it, it means nothing. I could say I have a million dollars. But unless I show you that, it doesn't make it true. Right? We are having to prove out what we claim by faith. There's only one exception to that. And that's our justification of sin. That's our, what we call salvation. That does not have to be proved out in our lives because it is nothing that we did. It is only what Jesus did on the cross. He, and he packaged this perfect gift. And he said, here, I've already done everything. You just have to receive it. You just have to take it. It's not a gift you're going to have to prove out. That's why there's a difference between justification, which is what we call salvation, and sanctification, which is really the reality of relationship. That's why there's a difference between the two. Relationship, you have to prove out. When you say to Jesus, and, and I tell, tell people this all the time, when they, when they ask me, okay, how do I get this relationship? See, it's not a boilerplate thing. Well, well, here's this list of ten things you do. Go complete these and you'll have a relationship. It's not that at all. Because relationships are unique. My relationship is going to be different than Alexa's relationship. It may go and flow in the same rivers, but it's going to be unique in its access. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so in that, all I tell people when they say, how, how do I get a relationship with the Lord? Here's how you begin. It's super easy. Every morning when you wake up, you out loud tell the Lord, yes. Whatever you want today. Yes, I say yes to whatever you want to tell me. But rest assured, you better walk out that yes. Because the first thing he's going to do is begin to prove out that yes. Do you really mean yes? Okay, well, I need you to believe this. I'm going to show it to you in, your, in the Word, and, and I'm, I'm talking about my own personal experience here. I'm going to show it to you in your word, in my Word, but I need you to believe it. You told me yes. Are you going to walk out and stand behind that yes? Are you going to walk it out? And so when, when it comes to that point then where, where I see something in His Word and, and he's, he's impressing on me this thing that He needs me to believe, proves it out in His Word, and then I step in that yes and I say, I believe it. That's the proving out. And then you walk in that belief. As you do that, He begins to build relationship with you. Relationship is not an intellectual thing. 
It's not something you can study and then take a test on and I got an A and I have a relationship. And, and by the way, I get, I get that. <laughs> I went through college and high school that way. You know, studied the night before for a bunch of hours, just memorized real quick so I could get an A on the test the next day, and then the next I forgot it all. Right? That's the intellectual cost of it not becoming a part of your life. Unless we step in this relationship with Him by faith and allow Him to build it by faith, it'll go nowhere. Relationships take time. I could go, we have a few people in here, right? I could go around to each person or each person online and say, your relationship with the Lord, was it built overnight or did it take time? And to a T, everyone who has a relationship with the Lord will come back and say, oh no, this was built over time. Because it was revelation, walking out, Testing or proving and then building more on revelation. He builds upon that. It's kind of like what we saw in, in first Peter. We become these stones that he builds this wall. This beautiful wall called relationship isn't a single stone. It's not a single access point. It's not just one thing. It moves us on to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And then we have this amazing, beautiful wall called relationship that, that Jesus built in faith with him. Last thing I want you to turn to, Revelation chapter 3. Because this is, this is where he took me first. And I want to end with this. Church of Philadelphia, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and... By the way, what is the key of David? I, I won't get into it right now, but... Um, actually, I'll read... Uh, if I would stop shaking. You don't need to turn there, but Isaiah 22, verse 22 says, And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. And I will fasten him like a peg in a secure place, and he will become a throne of honor to his father's house. This key of David is the very kingdom access that we talk about that he said, I'm going to give to you, Peter. Right? The key of David is opening this door that gives access to his kingdom. Verse 8 of chapter 3 in Revelation. I know your works. Talking about Church of Philadelphia. Behold, I have set before you an open door. Remember, he just declared that Jesus is the one who has the authority to open the door or close the door. Because he has the key to his own kingdom. He said, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. 
I know you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And then it goes into the this huge verse that we've talked about many times about how the world will view his bride one day. And then it talks about how his bride, his beautiful bride, will be kept out of the very turmoil that is coming. But I want to go to verse 11. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have that no one may seize your crown. By the way, for him to say that means you could lose it. This is not talking about salvation. This is talking about your faith. Anybody lost their faith out there? Do we ever lose our faith? Something that we grew up believing and and now all of a sudden we don't. We lost that faith. Maybe through a trial, maybe through a series of trials, through things that happened, we lost that faith. See, that faith needs to be planted in fertile fertile soil that fertile soil is relationship you can go through the same things that have caused you to lose faith you can go through those with relationship with the lord and not lose faith the proof of that is the apostle paul's life he went through everything you could imagine and yet he didn't lose faith in fact he increased in his faith but verse 12 says the one who conquers the one who stays steadfast, who presses in, who builds relationship. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write his name on the name, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. By the way, let me point something out. Very interesting to me. I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but it's very interesting to me. Jesus there is saying, my God. His God. For those of you who think that Jesus came down for those 33 years and that's when he was a man, and then he ceased to be a man, you're fooling yourself. Proof of it's right here. Because when he was alive and walking on the earth with his disciples, he talked about his God. Right? He talked about the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He talked about the Father God being his God. But wait a second. See, this is some 60 years after he ascended into heaven. He's writing these letters to these churches and he's still saying, my God. He's not saying, well, the other one in the Trinity. Now, I'm not depleting his position of the Trinity at all. He is the the son, the second part of the Trinity. Always was, always will be. But yet, in becoming a man, he still calls the Father his God and his Father. So we have this open door. 
We have this open door right now. And I can't help but think the times that we're in, these are not, these are not ordinary times. I've shared this so many times before. These are the times of the wedding of the bride. There is judgment that is here of this world because of how the world has come against his bride. And the sad part of that is that in these judgments there are going to be others that will be caught up in it. If you don't believe me, read the next one, Church of Laodicea, where the lukewarm are spit out of his mouth. These are Christians. They'll be spit out of his mouth. You have to understand the times that we're in. And and <laughs> you got to understand, I, this is something that that does not come natural for me to talk of judgment, to talk of woes, to talk of negative. I am an upbeat, positive person. Right? If, if I see something bad, I'll figure out something good in it. But understand that the negative that we hear in these woes, the negative that we hear in these judgments is the beauty of the commissioning of the bride. It is the beauty of the readying of the bride. It's literally the gold purified by fire. You ever watch fire being purified? Right? I, 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 love, I love these gold movies. Right? And, 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 or these shows, and, and they'll, they'll, at the end of them, a lot of times they'll show the, the process of, of the molten gold being poured into this thing and purified, and all the dross comes to the top, and, and then it dries, and, and it dries like this big black hunk, and they take a hammer and bang it, and all the junk drops off it, and you got this piece of gold refined by fire. All the purities taken out. That's what he's doing with his bride right now. These woes that are coming, what we're in right now, which you might be sitting there and saying, you know, I can handle this. This is no big deal. I can handle this on my own. I was able to stock up some food. Couldn't get all the toilet paper I needed, but apparently that's like the biggest thing. I don't know what, what's up with that. But I'm fine. I got everything I need. Rest assured that what the Lord is doing is he's going to keep pressing. He's going to keep pressing until there is a final decision made, especially for his bride. Will you be hot? Will you be cold? Because lukewarm I will not tolerate anymore. And to those who conquer, hmm, to those who go through this open door, who see what he has for us, who step into his kingdom. He says right there at the end, I'll make you a pillar. I'll make you a pillar of the new Jerusalem. Now that may not mean anything to you, but it will one day. It will one day when the, when the new Jerusalem comes down to earth and the Father now dwells with his 
His children on earth for eternity. For you to be set as a pillar in that city is an extraordinary thought. See, he didn't say, if you just accept my son, well, you're all going to be pillars. No, the pillars hold something up. And we have a choice in this life when it is by faith to walk through that open door, access his kingdom. One, you got to want it. Two, you got to believe it. And three, you've got to walk and prove it out. Lex, come on up. When you're done, just hit the stop there. I was thinking with the Lord what in the world I would add um, because it really explains it all. And I felt like the Lord was saying for me to just um, share a little bit of what my testimony of relationship is. And part part of my testimony of relationship is just learning. You know, we sang in earlier in worship, we sang... The, a portion of an old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And to see Jesus and see God as a friend is, is a really amazing thing. And to see him and the character traits that I knew about in the Word of God by principle, to see that what that meant to me in the reality of what I went through. Being sick, you know the tenderness of the healing power and compassion of Jehovah Rapha. He is a comfort when we're hurting. He is a he is um, he sticks closer than a brother when you are being going through a time of rejection. And so part of all these things that I wanted to know as I looked at other people that heard his voice and that experienced him, I wanted to much like Greg described, I wanted to be able to be, you know, take a course and learn it and and get it down as as I did growing up with all these bible verses I would just work on them until I got them down and it was the it's the process it's the the journey with him that builds it and he wants us to take each step that's why we often hear about roads and walking walk by faith he doesn't say um you know choose faith and not sight he says walk by faith um, all, all the things about the the steps of the Lord, you know, lay your plans out before him, but the Lord orders your steps. Those are all things that, that are about the process of learning who he is and listening. That when I finally realized, and it was a place, it was a choice of humility to learn that when other people were speaking of how he spoke to them and God was telling this person that, telling this person that, and I just, I thought, okay, I've been teaching and speaking in women's ministry and other places for years and years and years. I didn't really see it that way. I didn't. I thought that the only time you you use the word voice or speaking when it came to God was those that had this kind of odd, miraculous, um, audible experience of His voice. And and then as the Lord began to teach me, when I first believed that yes, He will speak to us, then it had to be. I had to humble myself to see that. 
okay, he will speak, but am I willing to learn all the ways that he speaks? Because even with a human relationship, which in this human realm, there are parallels to how God teaches us. And I know in our marriage, you know, over 30 years now, we don't just communicate through words, through audible words. If you know anything about a human relationship, there are multiple ways you communicate. You can communicate through gestures, through the lack of communication, can communicate a lot. Um, through time, through um, his helping around the house without being asked, is, is, a, is communicating love or help or concern or um, compassion on a situation. Uh, there are so many ways God communicates with us that are similar to our kinds of communications in the human realm. And that was exciting to me, but I had to humble myself because the first time I realized that God was speaking to people and I didn't necessarily think he was speaking to me, I had a choice to either resist that because in, in facing that, it required me to humble myself to realize I didn't know what I, what I didn't know. And, and being somebody in ministry and being somebody that was on the other side of a platform to speak, that was very hard. And the Lord had to just totally bottom me out in order to see that he'd been speaking to me my whole life. And, and now he's even given me memories of times when he spoke to me as a child through my thoughts, one time audibly, but through my thoughts, through different times when my conscience was squeezed. I recognize now that that was his voice saying, yeah, you don't want to be that friends with that group. That could lead you down a bad path. All the times the Holy Spirit was whispering in my life and I didn't recognize it as that. And um, so, and I love the word, and now the word of God is even more rich because I believe God speaks through his word. And building a relationship, I was thinking the other day, it's so much like sitting down for coffee with an author, and you have their book with them. And instead of just reading the book, which you're getting a lot out of, you're getting a chance to speak with the author about the depth of where that writing came from and the place from which that was written and what it really meant because authors, people that are writers know that there's a lot that goes into what births writing and to be able to sit and, and have conversations with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father and all parts of the Trinity together to talk about the beautiful, living, active book that is his breath, as we know, in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word of God was with God. The Word of God was God. And so talking with the author, and I know that um, this series that Greg suggested, which I think is very wise, the, the Chosen, it does give you a depiction of imagining what it would be like to interact with Jesus in this realm. And it's done very, very well. And, and the Holy Spirit's been using that to just... Uh, help me to greater expand my understanding of communication with the, with the Lord and what that means to me. But it does have to be built, and it will require people to humble themselves, to surrender. Um, and what happens in Christian ministry is that over the years, when you take a stand of leadership or when you um, are the leader that uh, leads Bible studies or you preach or you teach, there is a puffing up that kind of begins to happen whether you realize it's happening or not where you you lose a little bit of humility in approaching God like a child 
And, you know, part of the reason that Jesus said to his disciples, no, don't, don't let the children, or the Pharisees, I was in Luke this morning, and, and the Pharisees scolded the children who were approaching Jesus. And he said, no, don't let the children, don't, don't block the children from coming to me because it's people coming to me as little children that are what's going to give them access to understand who I am and, and the will of the Father. And so our approach to Jesus has to be childlike. If we need to understand everything intellectually, even though that can be a desperate cry to really want to understand him, we have to be careful because he will often, um, those things can turn to pride very quickly um, because as soon as our own intellect is stimulated and feels like it's grasping something, immediately the dependency of God minimizes. And think about a child. A child is always dependent. That's why they're called our dependents. And the dependency of a child is always needed because they don't yet know, especially a small child. And that's the way we have to approach Jesus. As soon as we think we know it, rest assured, there's something we don't know. Because we are finite. God is infinite. And we are limited to even this realm. And so it takes our faith to believe God for who he is and how he communicates. And so... That's just what I wanted to share in terms of, of what relationship means. I get excited every time, more than I ever have, to get in his word, to pray, to worship, because what he reveals to me in the process, in the context of relationship, is what's made him come alive. And, and it's, um, it's strengthened my faith more than ever before. So, um, so do you want me to close in prayer? Okay, Father God, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. God, I thank you that... You are a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Lord, I thank you for that beautiful hymn. I thank you, God, that, that we have access to you, that we can come boldly, that we might obtain mercy to find help in our time of need. And so many here with me now, listening to me now, who will be listening are in a time of need. And whatever we face, God, you'll never leave us or forsake us. You go before us. You are constantly with us, communicating to us, guiding our steps, leading us in every way. You want to be everything to us. And we can experience your love and your fullness like Ephesians 3, 16 through 20 all talks about. The length and breadth and depth and height of love. So, God, I thank you for that. I praise you. I pray, God, that, that you would um, open the eyes of our understanding, our spirit eyes, to understand that just coming to you as a child, you will unlock things that our intellect can never quite ever grasp and never will grasp, but that we are to see with our hearts. So thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for this word, for this challenge um, to us, God. And I just pray, Lord, that people would humble themselves to giving you the time. I know for some there are less distractions, Lord Jesus, but some there are more distractions with children home and various things happening. But, God, you always will make a way when we seek you with all of our heart, we will find you. So, God, I pray that you would help us to draw into you without the entanglements of this life, God, because we want to please you with our faith. 
We love you and praise you and lift up the name of Jesus. May you be glorified in everything that we do. And may we know you more, know you more, and love you more. I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And before we go offline, I just wanted to...